Hello, and welcome to Linux Action News, episode 287, recorded on April 4th, 2023. I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. Hello, Wes. Let's do the news. We start this week with a story demonstrating how one company can make a difference. Bloomberg has announced that it is launching a FOSS contributor fund. Yeah, that Bloomberg, that privately held financial, software, data, Bloomberg terminal, media company, all in one, headquartered in midtown Manhattan. Now they're going to do a program. Every three months, the staff at Bloomberg will pick three different open source projects that they want to support, and Bloomberg will give them each $10,000. And it's already rolling. The FOSS Fund program started in January and focused on direct financial support to individual open-source projects. They write in their announcement, quote, Bloomberg has historically backed open-source foundations as well as provided direct financial support to individual projects. I think that's true for most companies. They focus on foundations, and foundations, while great, you know, that's a centralization that can only scale so much, and there's so many developers that get left out. So it's kind of refreshing to see this new approach, a change to directly supporting projects and developers. I find that exciting, and I'm personally happy to see it. We do know the first recipients of the FOSS Contributor Fund grants, and they are Apache Arrow, which is a a project to make data transfer and analytics lightning fast for a lot of data-intensive applications. Curl, I think everybody knows about the ubiquitous tool to interact with web services from the command line. We use Curl, just talked about it recently. And Celery a distributed task queue in the Django and Python ecosystem, and, turns out, used broadly inside Bloomberg. Putting the money aspect aside for a moment, I also really like that this gets Bloomberg staff thinking about free software generally and how their work day-to-day depends on it. This trend feels like our friend, and we hope to see it spread. Some Fedora workstation developers want to improve disk encryption on Fedora and make it the default option in the installer. As it stands now, only a few Linux distributions ship encryption on by default. And, well, Fedora is considering changing that. Earlier this week, Owen Taylor, a member of the Red Hat team, provided details on encryption plans for Fedora in a mailing list post. The plans include storing the encryption key in the system's Trusted Platform Module, or TPM for short, and then signing the bootloader, the kernel, and the initRD with TPM signatures. Now, all these big plans are going to depend on Fedora completing the ongoing support for unified kernel images that we talked about recently, also upstream projects supporting unified kernel images like SystemD, as well as the upcoming ButterFS FSCrypt support for encrypting both the system and the home directories. Now, these plans are still subject to change, and there is a timing component, as well as requiring formal Fedora Engineering Steering Committee approval. But it is just the type of thing Fedora is known for pushing forward. Here they are leveraging an existing stack of upstream technologies to bring a new and improved user experience to the Linux desktop. And if they get it right... Others might just follow their lead. Google Engineer shared some early requests for comment patches this week that enables a new KVM CPU frequency driver. And they're trying to just make things run faster and use less power inside a KVM-based virtual machine. 
This is a follow-up to a Google software engineer's talk at the 2022 Linux Plumbers Conference, where Saravana Kanan detailed why workloads often run slower and use more power when run in virtual machines compared to when they run on the host. In short, the guest VM doesn't know how to place tasks or adjust the frequency of the CPUs very well. And Google? Well, they want to fix that. Yeah, and they may have just gone a long way in doing just that. So with these new patches, the VMs get the same type of CPU frequency treatment as something running on the host. And as a result, it seems things run faster and indeed use less power. Google outlines the basic functions that their patches enable, which is essentially letting the guests know how the host CPU works and what frequency it runs at. And then also it tells the host that's running the VM how busy the virtual CPUs are so the host can scale the frequency and place tasks better. The early results, well, they are noticeable. For example, when running Android in a virtual machine on a Chromebook, PC Mark got 19% faster overall, with a 45% increase just for photo editing. And in a test we all actually care about, Roblox ran 57% faster with KVM CPU frequency enabled and used 26% less power. We'll have a link to the original Linux Plumbers conference talk and the recent mailing list thread in the show notes if you'd like to know more. A quick mention for a new KDE community resource that launched this week, KDE Discuss. It's built on Discourse, and it's online right now at discuss.kde.org. The aim is to make KDE Discuss a place for questions, requests, suggestions, banter, and generally interacting closely with the people involved with KDE and, of course, fellow users. And over time, I have to imagine a great place to stay up to date with new app releases that are focused on the Plasma desktop, maybe beta tests, things like that. If you want to check it out, we'll have a link in the notes. If you have an MSI laptop, you'll be happy to know that Linux 6.4 will make it work a little better. There's a new driver coming that lets you use more features of your laptop. Things like changing the power profile, controlling the fan speed, setting the battery charging limit, turning the webcam on or off, adjusting the keyboard backlight, and more. These things are all handled by a small chip inside the laptop called the Embedded Controller, or EC for short. The new driver is called MSI-EC, and it wasn't created by MSI. Like so many things, this driver was created by a community who just wanted all the features of their laptops to work under Linux. The main developer is Nikita Kravetz, who did a great job of writing the code and getting it ready in time for Linux 6.4. And really, this is just a lovely example of how the open-source community can make Linux better for everyone. Linode.com slash LAN. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account and support the show while you are checking out fast, reliable cloud hosting. With the best support in the business, real humans all day, every day. Congratulations to the Linode team. They just won the Stevie Award for fantastic customer support. And the best part is they're 30 to 50% cheaper than the hyperscalers that want to lock into those crazy esoteric platforms that don't even give you access to the back end. And on top of that, Linode beats them in performance too. 
And Linode's got 11 data centers around the world, and they're spinning up another dozen this year. And there's features in Linode that you're going to love. They're S3-compatible object storage. The backup system that is easy to understand, transparent, and quick to restore. Kubernetes, Terraform, Ansible support if you want to snap it into your existing infrastructure tools. And a lot more, including one-click deployments for so many great open-source applications. That's a quick way you could go try something. You could go learn something and kick the tires for yourself on a project you've been wanting to try. Like NextCloud All-in-One, that's up there in one-click deployment. GitLab, you want to replace Zoom, one-click deployment. They got it all. Go try it. Get 100 bucks and support the show. We use it. You're going to love it. Linode.com slash LAN. That's one more time to support the show and get the $100. Linode.com slash LAN. And thank you to Collide. Collide.com slash LAN. Collide can help Okta users achieve 100% fleet compliance. If a device isn't compliant, the user can't log in to your cloud applications until they've fixed the problem. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, well, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix the problem. If they don't fix it within a set time, they're blocked. It's that simple. And Collide's solution ensures device compliance as part of authentication, which reduces support tickets and IT frustration while ensuring 100% compliance. Learn more or book a demo at collide.com slash LAN. Canonical has released the beta version of Ubuntu 2304 named Lunar Lobster for public testing before the final release due on April 20th. And we went hands-on. Ubuntu 2304 features the recently released GNOME 44 desktop environment, Linux 6.2 for better hardware support, and a few more things. Yeah, the headline new feature, and something we've been keeping a rather close eye on, is the new installer written entirely in Google's Flutter UI SDK. And, of course, this was an area we poked at the most in this beta. Yeah, I think this is actually just the community's chance in general to find issues and report them before these, you know, final ISO ship. We've got some time here. That's what a beta's for. But that said, I'm really impressed with how far this Flutter installer seems to have come. Um, it, I guess it's weird to say it, but it has a really familiar feeling if you're used to installing Ubuntu. Uh, but you can tell there's new stuff in there as you're going along. There's new ways of presenting information, a snappier kind of look to it. It does take a little bit to get up and get running, but I'm impressed. They've done some good stuff. Uh, I should note, though, ZFS support is missing and likely never coming. It's been just over two years now since Canonical announced this new installer, and until recently, you actually had to download a special ISO of Ubuntu just to try it. Shipping it by default in the beta seems to indicate that Canonical thinks it's getting close to ready for mainstream use. They are, however, making a quote-unquote legacy ISO available with the old installer for those who might still need or prefer it. Yeah, I honestly don't think there's going to be very many people grabbing that legacy ISO other than maybe special special edge cases. I think people are going to be drawn to the new installer. It's going to be one of the reasons people want to check this out. And the truth is, once you've used the new Ubuntu installer, well, the old installer feels kind of old. 
There are some other new bits in 2304 that might need testing. The Mesa 23 graphics stack, Network Manager 1.42, and uh, Pipewire 0.3.65. That's all great to see, and really some pretty fresh stuff, at least for Ubuntu users. Yeah, I mean, this is the release cycle to land this more kind of cutting-edge stuff. 2304 is a short-term release that'll be supported until January of 2024, and that's a few months before the next LTS. There's also going to be another short-term release in that before we get that LTS, so it's really a chance for Ubuntu's developers to try new things without worrying about having to support it necessarily for years to come. This Ubuntu beta is one of those releases where a fair amount of changes have happened since the initial development images in both visual touches and with the installer, obviously, but I'd also say there's other things under the hood that are surprising, and even a few apps have been swapped out. This is all a bit rare during an LTS season, but uh, also, these kind of releases are the most fun for the hardcore Ubuntu fans and Linux enthusiasts out there. Yeah, the LTS releases are great for enterprise deployments and average consumers, uh, but for us Linux fans, these interim releases... They're a blast. It's it's great to see the team try some of this stuff and push it a little bit. And um, it's probably why it caught our attention, to be honest with you. Uh, it's great to just see the return also of the minimal netboot image. That is awesome. I love doing these quick installs. It just clocks in right now at a baby 143 megabytes. It has been gone since Ubuntu 1804. Now, we've had the server image to fill in, so it hasn't been horrible, but the return of the netboot image is definitely the icing on top of what looks like a fun release for Ubuntu users. And of course, Ubuntu isn't the only new release just around the corner. So we'll keep an eye on that and everything else going on in the world of Linux and open source software. So go to linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe for all the ways to get every new episode every week. And linuxactionnews.com slash contact to let us know what you think of the new Flutter installer. We'd love to meet you. We have two meetups in the month of April. Raleigh on the 8th and Olympia, Washington on the 29th. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting for the details. And we'll be back right here next week with our take on the latest Linux and open source news. Thanks for joining us. That's all the news for this week. 